This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Tuesday, July 7th, 2020. On this day in 1984, Virginia Temple and her 10-year-old daughter were found dead in Toledo. They were the latest victims of serial killer couple Alton Coleman and Deborah Brown. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the murder of Virginia Temple and her daughter, Rochelle. Let's go back to Toledo, Ohio on July 7, 1984. Edith Harris strolled up to the modest house where her daughter, Virginia Temple, lived with her five children. Another family member, who we'll call Amelia, walked at Edith's side. They didn't talk much. Instead, they blew into their frozen hands, clutched at their jackets, and tried not to shiver too noticeably. It was an unseasonably chilly July day. Edith and Amelia planned to spend the day with Virginia and the children, but they certainly wouldn't be picnicking in the park or letting the kids run through the sprinklers. Edith would find something fun to do indoors. It didn't matter what they did, so long as they were together. Edith had always believed in three values, Christ, country, and kin. Family was especially important in these trying times, Virginia's difficult divorce was still fresh, even after a year. While her children adjusted to the new normal, Virginia spent hours studying and filling out applications. She wanted to go back to college and then become a home economics teacher, which meant she didn't always have a lot of time or energy for her sons and daughters. Edith wanted to help how she could and make sure the kids never felt neglected. If that meant she spent her Saturdays playing with her grandchildren and gossiping with her daughter, there were worse ways to support Virginia. In fact, Edith had been looking forward to this weekend. But when she rang the doorbell, no one answered. That wasn't like Virginia. Usually one of the kids would run to the door, shouting with excitement. Then Virginia would shush them. She'd turn the lock and let her family in. But Edith and Amelia didn't hear any talk or movement from inside. Nobody was home. Edith couldn't imagine where her daughter might be. They'd discussed their plans. Virginia wouldn't have gone out without calling Edith first. Amelia was worried too. She cupped her hands over her eyes to block the sun, then peered through the front door's window to see if anyone was home. Her cry was so startled and so alarmed, Edith had to take a look for herself. 
while Edith pressed herself against the door and tilted her head to peer through the glass, she heard Amelia mutter something about a spot on the floor. As soon as the scene inside came into focus, Edith felt a chill run down her spine. It looked like a wild animal had torn through the house. Furniture was overturned, trash strewn across the carpet. The children hadn't done this, and even if they had, Virginia was too tidy to leave such a mess. In the entryway, just before the front door, Edith spotted a ruddy stain on the floor. It had dried up, but Edith still knew at a glance exactly what it was. A pool of blood. Edith immediately thought of the stories she'd heard on the news. In the past few weeks, a pair of serial killers had cut a swath through the Midwest. The murderers seemed to strike at random. Sometimes they kidnapped and sexually assaulted women and young girls. They were car thieves who occasionally beat the drivers they robbed. They'd even broken into a house and attacked the occupants, unprovoked. Edith could only imagine what monsters like that would do to her daughter or grandchildren. And that horrid stain on the floor suggested that they'd all met a terrible fate. After Edith and Amelia called 911, they prayed together until the police arrived. Edith hoped that she was mistaken. That spot was spilled tomato juice or red wine. Virginia hadn't answered the doorbell because she'd stepped out to run an urgent errand. Her grandchildren were alive and well. Any minute now, they'd all appear and laugh at her overreaction. Instead, later that day, she got the worst news of her life. The police had found a pair of bodies in a crawl space at Virginia's home. Virginia and her 10-year-old daughter had been murdered. Up next, we'll meet serial killer couple Alton Coleman and Deborah Brown and explore their brutal 1984 murder spree. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. On July 7th, 1984, 30-year-old Virginia Temple and her children were reported missing. Later that day, police found two bodies in a crawl space in their home, those of Virginia and her 10-year-old daughter, Rochelle. They were the latest victims of serial killer couple Alton Coleman and Deborah Brown. Coleman already had a long rap sheet before he ever met Virginia Temple. He was arrested for sexual assault on three occasions, but only convicted once. After his release from prison in 1983, he started dating Deborah Brown. A year later, the violent lovebirds killed together for the first time. 
On May 29, 1984, Coleman and Brown kidnapped and killed a nine-year-old girl in Kenosha, Washington. The homicide kick-started a two-month-long murder spree. They tore through the American Midwest, kidnapping and sexually assaulting women and underage girls. They murdered most of their victims, but one escaped and reported what had happened to the police. Brown and Coleman darted from Wisconsin to Indiana to Michigan to Ohio, barely staying one step ahead of the authorities. Whenever they needed a new set of wheels, they carjacked, brutally beating the drivers before they sped away. On July 5th, Coleman met Toledo Reverend Ernie Jackson. He didn't know about Coleman's criminal past and invited him to his home. That evening, Virginia Temple was also at the Reverend's house, visiting his wife. Coleman and Virginia seemed to hit it off. They left the Reverend's house together and had dinner at a fast food restaurant. Then Coleman accompanied Virginia home. There, he sexually assaulted and tortured her and her oldest daughter, Rochelle. He didn't relent until Virginia and Rochelle were dead. The whole time, Virginia's four other children were in the house. We don't know whether they hid or if Coleman decided to spare them, but they were too scared to answer the door two days later when their grandmother, Edith Harris, dropped by for a visit. By the time police discovered the bodies, Brown and Coleman had moved on. They continued their murder, kidnapping, and carjacking spree, striking again in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. On July 20, 1984, Brown and Coleman reached Evanston, Illinois, where Coleman had grown up. An old friend from high school recognized him and tipped off the police. The authorities finally caught up to the killer couple. Coleman and Brown surrendered peacefully. They stood trial and both were sentenced to death. Coleman was executed via lethal injection on April 26, 2002, while Brown's sentence was commuted to life in prison. As for their victims and their families, they found comfort where they could. Virginia's loved ones turned to their faith. Her sister, Dolores Shy wrote a letter to Alton Coleman in prison. She spoke of how much she missed her sister and niece before ultimately proclaiming that she forgave him. But Christian absolution couldn't erase the pain that Dolores Shy, Edith Harris, and Virginia's other grieving family members felt. Nor could it make things right for the other people who'd lost loved ones to the serial killer couple. Together, Alton Coleman and Deborah Brown had killed eight people and shattered the lives of countless more. Their spree lasted only two months, but the impact was felt for lifetimes. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this one, be sure to check out ParCast original Serial Killers, which explores the minds and motivations of history's most vicious murderers. 
Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Angela Jorgensen, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hey.